The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Welcome back to the Knapsucks Files for 2014, back from a little winter hiatus, but we're still broadcasting from sexy, beautiful, steamy Studio City, California. I hope you all had a great holidays and a great new year. I spent Christmas alone and had Carl's Jr. and played video games all day, but we can talk about that later with my returning guest. Welcome back to the Knapsack Files and into the new Knapsack Files Lounge. I love it. Tim Powers. Hi, everybody. It's uh, it's, it's good to be back. I'm the inaugural guest for 2014. You are you are getting me off the schneid. Well, I'll take it then. Yeah, I'll take it. It's a it, this is a this is a good spot. Usually the the first is is the bullet spot, but I always like taking that spot. You know. What I mean? No, this is. A, I thought uh, I thought to myself. I went. Uh, you know. From I need to get back. You can tell I'm stuttering. I needed to get back into the groove of broadcasting. Right. So I need to do that with a broadcasting partner, of which you are. Thank you. And you know I'm not going to talk about bell peppers and pig shit. <laughs> I don't want to, I want to get into that, too. <laughs> uh, Tim Powers was uh, on uh, episode 14 of the Napsock Files, back when we had some different microphones. Mm-hmm. We're trying out some new stuff here tonight. We got the lounge. We're on nice leather couches courtesy of living spaces um not courtesy they cost a lot of money and they're broke already um and so are you (laughs) and so am i no this is it's really it's a nice setup and and this sounds really good so uh, yeah so itunes itunes listeners hope you dig it that's your phone i silenced mine yeah you know what's funny uh that's one of the people that um you listen to those episodes Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm not going to edit this out. We should patch it in. Yeah. (laughs) I wish I could. I've got, yeah. um, I'm not going to edit this out of the podcast because that's going to factor in, actually. Good. All right. Um, So, Tim Powers is back. Uh, He is a a writer, comedian. Uh, He's part of the comic book media, as we discussed last Mm -hmm. time. Digital broadcaster, former radio broadcaster, and uh, we hope, uh, uh, once again, with things we're working on. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, he, um, uh, well, he's just one of my uh, favorite people in this godforsaken town. Oh, go on. Yeah. I was listening to the last one um, that we did because I didn't want to cover the same topic. So, here's what we can't really talk about. Okay. Is depression. Okay. Our love of depression, mm-hmm. our obsession with depression, mm-hmm. our friendship with depression, right. your wife's great sandwich-making skills, and uh, that's about it. I hate to tell you, but after that, I got nothing. After that, you got nothing? <laughs> no, that's not. It's the new year, Tim. What's, I know. What's your direction for this year? Oh, man. No resolution talk, but just what are you looking forward to? I am uh, looking forward to sleeping at night. I have a day job that I really don't yeah. want to talk about, but it's a it's a pretty yeah. corporate day job. Me too. And it... Uh, it keeps me up. I am up at four thirty every morning with four uh, thirty. Yeah, not to work, just because I cannot sleep after four thirty. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's no, let's. I I go to bed about three every night, whether I have to get up at seven for work or not. Well, then why aren't you out hitting open mics? Um, oh, I don't want. To, I, you know, I, I do want to talk about that. I uh, we'll come back to that. Let's bookmark that. I I did go attend a comedy show during the holidays, and okay. it's the first time in a long time wanted to do stand up again. So we're, we're going to talk about that. But okay. right now, I want to talk about why the heck you can't stay asleep past 4 4 30 uh i have uh there there are a lot of expectations on me to perform on this day job this corporate job wow and it uh it weighs on me pretty heavily so and this is stress related it is stress related yes what time do you go to bed uh, anywhere between <laughs> are you if i'm up at 4 30 I'm, I'm like conking out yeah at like eight 
Oh, great. Yeah. I got about 40 minutes left. No, the I'm, time we're I'm taking fine. This. I'm fine. I'm, <laughs> I took a Benadryl last night, so I'm okay. Oh, okay. Good, because, okay, that's I'm good okay. to know. I'm okay. Hmm, that's, don't. I don't want to get into the job, but what's causing that? Uh, Tim? Hey, Tim? What, 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 oh, hey, what, yeah. What? I don't want to get into the stress of that job, man. But uh, so, um, yeah, let's talk about that. One of my things towards the end of the year is I thought about getting back into comedy. Okay. Um, what should I do, Tim? How do I get this feeling out of my brain? <laughs> I would imagine three good uh, bringer shows, three good open mics will make you go, oh, yeah. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to do this again. I was at... Um, a charity show uh, put on by Tom Connolly and, and Lou Santini okay. uh, for Operation Gratitude, which mm-hmm. is a charity organization for uh, troops. They make a personalized care package and send them to the troops in the field. Look it up, folks. Operation Gratitude. They do a show every year. Uh, this year at the Federal Bar over in uh, North Hollywood. And right. I was, I, I've been before. I, was, I go just about every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, Lou said, hey, do you mind being the voice of God in the back? introducing the show you know so ladies and gentlemen the show will start in five minutes pretty much all i did mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen welcome to the stage your host for the evening lou santini it's all i did i kind of did got you the, did you affect the voice and everything uh, not as much as that obviously okay. but uh maybe i maybe i will next year so i had a little bit of the nervousness doing that and then i'm hanging out in the green room you got kira sultanovich um uh, you got uh, Tom Connolly, Lou, right. I know very well, and you've got Bob Oshak, uh, P.J. Walsh, uh, among others, some other people. A lot there. of old friends of ours. These are comics that, uh, yeah, like I said, you're not around these friends unless you're at the comedy shows. And me being not part of the comedy scene anymore, the yep. stand-up comedy scene, you kind of miss being around these type of wonderful, funny, creative, though often messed up people. Um and I kind of got the vibe. And Oshak, if if you know Oshak, is is a is a great writer and a great performer, yeah. and a family man. He is kind of a well balanced human, which is why he has left stand up for the most part. <laughs> uh, I started talking with him, and I didn't know him too well from back in the day, but I always admired his work. He had a mm-hmm. great bit about the reason he's so nice is he just assumes at some point someone's going to make it, and he'll need to be remembered as hey, that Bob guy was really nice to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a great bit. About that. So I get talking to him, and then I'm watching the show, and I'm watching, you know, Kira, who's just one of my favorite performers of all time. Right. Um, just nail it. And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, I kind of miss this. Then I was scared, and I drank heavily the rest of that night, which is usually what you do after you do a comedy show. <laughs> when <you're laughs> or if you're about- Connolly, you do it during, before, and after. Right, during the set. Mm-hmm. And I'm scared, Tim, and I might need you to help me through this. I, should I go? What should I do? Well, let me ask you. Yeah. How bad do you miss it? I don't know if I miss... I Do I miss it on a nightly basis? Well, no. let, let's break it down. Yeah. Let's break it down, okay? There's... Uh, because you and I experienced... We were we ran in the same circles, yeah. right? And every, every comedian that you talked to had his pack. Yep. You know? Yep. Seinfeld had his pack. Every, you know, every comedian that came up had their pack. And the... the, yep. the schmo white boy kind of thing was was our pack and we loved those guys you know yeah. and we were we were welcome in them we we were all seen as peers and the camaraderie is one thing yeah the nightly performing is another the uh dealing with the audience afterwards is another and getting out getting finding out. a place and getting there when you really just don't feel like it you just want to sit at home and watch teen Autry movies in your underwear which is what I do a lot. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. And the and the daily writing of the jokes and the daily rewriting of the jokes. Right. 
Um, yeah. See, I don't have a commute anymore, so mm-hmm. and I used to write all my material during a, a forty-five to an hour, uh, forty-five minute to an hour commute. Right. I would just sit and daydream and write all my material there. Yeah, and, and that's so. Do I? What do I miss? I don't know. I know that particularly. Do you miss I, performing, Ken? Uh, I do at times. Yeah. Okay. I haven't done improv comedy in probably. Well, 2012 is when I left the in, ground. League. Improv and stand up are completely different. Agreed, agreed. But even then, I bring that up because um, my cousin's wife, which I guess would make her my cousin in law. Sure. Don't, I don't know what the ruling is on that. You can uh, still hit her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she uh, has, uh, it's a great story. I'm going to have her on the Knapsack Files soon, Allie Dellinger. She um, raised three kids, or they're, they're about. 11, 12, 9 range now. My cousin's a police officer, LA Valley, uh, LAPD Valley Traffic Division. She decided, you know what? I've always kind of wanted to do this improv comedy thing, and she has started it. And I thought at first... Where'd she go? She started... I uh, Well, she went to the Groundlings, right. and that's why she came to me for some advice, and then other... She branched out. Did what I didn't do. When the Groundlings rejected me, I was like, well, I'm done. <laughs> Well, the Groundlings don't want me. Exactly. I'm not going to go to any of the seven other improv theaters in all of Los Angeles and try and make something of myself. Exactly. Bleh. If I can't be Kristen Wiig, I don't want to be nobody. <laughs> My point exactly. <laughs> so she goes and does it, and she's doing it. She's over at IO, Improv right. Olympic. She's doing right. good. She's gotten got shows going on and I've been trying to get out those improv kids perform late at night Tim some shows start at 11 I remember those days <sighs> I, I, was, I was an improv kid from 99 until yeah. 2010 I guess right and uh, I don't miss improv at all I didn't I didn't but but here's where I'm going with this she over Christmas uh, was like hey sometimes some of our teammates from the improv troupe drop out can't make a show would you ever want to step in I said yes. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the reaction I... Ooh. Well, and here's why. Yeah. Um, because we're both schooled in, in uh, Del Close Viola Spolin theater sports and, and improvisation. Here's why, here's why I winced. Yeah. Im- improv is a muscle that you have to work and you yeah. have to really develop it. And you can't just cannonball into uh, a group that already has an existing dynamic and expect yeah. to be a standout. So are you, you're expecting me to fail? Uh, I am not expecting you to fail. I'm saying that, uh, let's see, how many times have you performed uh, a, uh, a tracheotomy? Not, not too many, right? right? So it's been a while since you've performed yeah. one. So if you did one, it might not be surgically perfect. Right. Okay. So, Probably a case against me, yeah. Yeah. But, but what scared me, Tim, is, is I said yes. And what scared me is I was at the stand-up show, and, and my brain said, yes, I'd like to go back to some, to some degree. And I know it's not a bad thing, and I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I, you know, it's a little bit of a self-esteem issue here. Like you said, the will is me. Um I guess I'm afraid. Well, I'm, one of the things is I might be afraid that I like it too much. Peer to peer, yeah. From a stand-up standpoint, yeah. Don't be afraid of that. Right. You you are a funny guy. You I have I've seen you bite it. You've seen me bite it. But I've never seen you bite it so bad that you couldn't recover. You know, I've never I've never yeah. worried about you after a show. <laughs> you should have. You should have. What's the worst uh, bite you've ever taken on stage? 
Um, Let's, now that we're in a lounge in a oh, couch like setting here, I feel like it's therapy. Uh, it was uh, it was the uh, the Hollywood Improv, and I was mm-hmm. doing the bit. There was a, a drunk guy in front. Yeah. And I was doing my uh, David Lee Roth bit where I said I ran into David Lee Roth at Blockbuster. Do it. Do it. Right? Do it. I'll, t- I'll explain that. Okay. This, the joke goes like this. Um, man, living in L.A. is awesome because you run into celebrities everywhere you go. Not long ago, the first celebrity I ran into in L.A. was David Lee Roth. Greatest singer, greatest band, pantheon of rock and roll, Diamond David Lee Roth. And there he is at Blockbuster Video. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's David Lee Roth. You know, you got to be cool. Right, you can't go up to him and wet your pants and go, "Oh my God, David Lee Roth." Ladies can do that. I don't have that luxury. So I wait until exactly the right moment and I walk right up to him, and I'll never forget what he said to me. He looks right at me and he goes, "These are due back by Thursday." Bozdy, bozdy, pop. I mean, that's that's the powers that's the powers joke. That's the that's the signature joke. The reason I'm so glad you got to that organically, I yeah. didn't prep you for anything. You just brought that up. Is uh, I had a meeting with Mark Ellis and Christian Harloff. For sure. Ellis loves that Close joke. Today. Ellis, I said, hey, I got to go home tonight. I got to prepare for. Uh, I'm doing Napstock Files with Tim Powers. I get a text from Ellis. I'll show it to you. He says, "Make him do the David Lee Roth." <laughs> There's this dude up in the front row at the at the improv, right. and he's just he's helping, right? And so I bring up Blockbuster, and he he looks right at me and goes, "No late fees." I'm like, thank "Yeah, you. thank you very much." It makes it makes my job so much easier when the audience comes with its own material. I get a little laugh, and then I uh, and he says, "No late fees," and I'm like, "Thanks, you corporate shill fuck." And it was at that point that the audience just. Turned on me. Turned on you. Yeah. Not on him. Nope. Because I they was turned mean. on you. I was oh, mean to him. No. So, <laughs> what was your reaction? They just went <gasps> for the, for the, and absolutely nothing I did after that. For the, for the people at home who have not had the unfortunate experience of doing stand up comedy, um, can we describe that feeling? I've had a crowd turn on me. I've had some moments, and I want to talk about those moments. What does it feel? Because you, it's palpable. You feel when the crowd goes, "We don't like this guy," a lot. Yeah. What's that terror like inside? That terror, let's see. That terror, you know the dream that you have mm-hmm. where uh, you're back in college and it's yeah. time for finals and yeah. you never showed up for class, right. but you have to show up and take your final? Yes. It's that. Yes. You it's, don't know the answers or anything. You don't know you the answers to anything and you're just like, mm-hmm. I cannot wait for this time to be over. Yeah. It is. It is this rush of blood goes to your head. Your your skin. My my neck would get fourteen degrees hotter, uh, hot to the touch, and you just you want to do. You want to run. Yep. But I, you I, power through as a quote professional. I turned it because I watched How? somebody. Uh, I watched somebody just bite it and and die. And I don't even remember who, but uh, I thought, man, you know, I'm not gonna let them get the best of me. That yeah. night, I totally took a dive at, at the improv. But the next time that it happened and the audience just kind of turned on me, I have a joke where I just go, oh, you're going to hate me for this one. And then uh, the joke is there's a lady in uh, in Michigan who's yeah. in jail right now. She put a three-week-old baby in a microwave oven. You remember this joke? She put a three-week-old baby in a microwave oven. What is with parents today? I mean, was she too lazy to shake it? <laughs> and, you know, and, and guys are laughing their asses off. And women are like, that's disgusting. And then they laugh. Would you pull that out 
when you knew you already had lost the audience? Oh, yeah, because I had nothing to lose. Yeah. I had absolutely nothing to lose. I could, you know. Yeah, I get it. One of my favorite comics, I don't know if you know him, Patrick Keene. Uh, one of the best comics around and a great writer, and he is hilarious, but he's even better when he's bombing because it just, the gloves come off. And it's not angry, attack the crowd stuff, but it's stuff like that. It's like, all right, I'm up here, and this is going horrible for all of us, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to make it horrible for everybody yep. even more. So that's what, you pull that joke out just to just to do it. Because you can't lose anything else. Yeah, at that and point. it was guys like Rana Seezy that, that got me, yeah. gave me the balls to do that. It was yeah. really kind of fun. Uh, so, that's good. I, I yeah, I've had. Uh, I'm trying to remember one of my. Uh, I I uh, shortly after I took my first airplane flight, I I didn't fly till late in life. A lot of things I didn't do until late in life. Yeah, and um, just had never reason as a family as a kid. We didn't travel much, you know. So um, right. yeah, I remember you going uh, yeah. Amtrak to the other coast. Yeah, uh, back from I took an Amtrak train back from Dallas to LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is an interesting uh, side story. But um, I uh, so I did some airline humor but it wasn't like oh this food oh just i wanted to go over the experience i kind of wanted to work through it and i went up in room five of the franco show and you know i had a lot by this time it's like 2008 i had a lot of grace right um and you were surrounded by friends surrounded by friends and but except for the audience um and i just decided to do what you shouldn't do in stand-up comedy which is i'm just going to take the stage with no plan and kind of a little premise and see where i go exactly it was the worst, most uncomfortable, and I was actually at one point crawling on the stage back by that curtain, part of the quote-unquote act, but I was I was trying to hide, and I cut my set short. It was four, four and a half minutes. Wow. I was supposed to do about eight, and uh, I think the host was like Nick Hoff or Brendan T. Gleason or something. They had to jump back on stage like, whoa, whoa. They were like still getting a drink from downstairs or something, <laughs> and I just I think I left early that night. You don't look anyone in the eyes no, afterwards. You, you you go down the back stairs. Yeah, <laughs> I remember those back stairs. I've done that. I've done that a few times. I remember um, uh, one of the one of our compatriots who's now doing very very well. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a we did a show like a small show at some little club that isn't there anymore, and uh, she went up with her notes. Right and. Uh, I'm like, these people paid good money and you brought your notes up. So I handed her a note when she got off stage and said, if you take your notes on stage again, I'll kill you. Yeah. And she has it taped to her mirror still. Still to yeah. this day? Well, that's a, that, no, because no one wants to pay to see someone practice. Right. I think Jamie Kaler once told that to me. Like, Well, uh, LA's got plenty of places to practice. Right. You know, and, and most cities with a comedy club, they have Tuesday and Wednesday nights for you to practice. Right. But even then, I never took notes on stage. No. Even then. Uh-uh. Never had a book, never had a post-it note, something in my pocket, and I looked at it right before I went on stage, and then I went up. Because that, to me, is part of, the, part of that practice. Is oh, open mics, I would go with notes and just and try stuff and, and play sure. it off. But, uh, but if, if I knew people were paying to get in, I'd, I'd right. do the best I could for them. It's like the TV comics who show up, and uh, after they've gotten their TV show, and they head back, and uh, they take uh, drop in on a show, and they do the wandering on stage. What should I talk about next? Were what you at the improv when next? Sean Young showed up? Do you remember Sean Young? Talking about the actress? Yeah. You know? She showed up one night, and they're like, let's give her some time. God, no, I don't remember so that. So I had to follow her, and she just took a giant shit. Uh, she yeah. was horrible. She said, I'm up here so I can smoke on stage, and she lit a cigarette and then talked about uh, her. she had just given birth and that she uh, did something weird with the placenta. Oh, and the whole like Cooked it into a stew or and something? And the audience was like, 
What, what is what is this? What, what's happening? Even the women were like, "What? What is this? Can, can bring back the farting guy!" You know. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a. Did, I, did you address it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have to. I I walked over to her cigarette butt and said, "I'm selling this on eBay, and it's still got placenta on it. Thank you very much." <laughs> Uh, I think I speak for everyone when I say, what the fuck was that? You should have just left the stage at that point. I'm Tim Powers. Yep. I. Uh, what are some other horror stories? Uh, I had one a, a guy at the uh, uh, Loop Bar down on uh, uh, Lincoln, Santa right. Monica. It's been the Bitter Redhead. It was the Loop. It's something else now. It's next to a Jack in the Box. And I played the Bitter Redhead yeah, a couple times. Behind a hotel that there was a murder at. Like It was a yeah. great area, Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Love the West Side people. And uh, a guy, no reason, I'd been on stage for about 30, 40 seconds. He charged the stage and, and tried to wrestle the microphone away from me just to grab it and yell and go, Aah. and I wasn't as confident in my abilities as a human, not just a comic back then. I probably right. would have popped him if he did it now. Yeah. There, I just try to laugh it off. And then, of course, you lose the audience. There's about 20 in attendance. But you, at that point, they have no respect for you. You just let this guy come walk all over you fought and wrestled for your microphone and then got it and went and then sat back down to drink that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> that's stand up that's a glamorous world of stand up comedy early stand up man there should be a movie about it I did the the Acapulco restaurant in Los Feliz uh, I did it uh, it was one of Joey Garza's shows when he used to book these Joey weird little Joey Garza I miss him Joey and uh, so we had the banquet room upstairs yeah right and people were ordering their food. I'm in the middle of my set, and they bring out fajitas. <laughs> and, the, you know, with the fire, and they dip the shit on it, and it bursts into flames. And everybody's eyes go right there. And I'm like, five years of doing comedy, and I'm upstage by an entree. I'm going home. Good night, everybody. It's horrible. Oh, man. So I guess um, I'm answering my own question. I, th- I don't think I'll go back. Well, here's the thing. At it, least not full-time. Yeah, you don't have to go back full-time. And even if... Uh, only go back full-time if you are called to go back full-time. But if you right. want to get up on stage and fart around and tell some jokes, man, you know, once a month, twice a month, uh, yeah. n- nothing's stopping you. And you've got you got the bones to do it and you with the experience that you've got and the skill mm-hmm. that you've got you're funnier than a thousand other brand new open micers right I, and if i go back with any level of confidence that's that's where i get afraid of the success part of it i'm not saying i'm going to go back and start and, small and babe being on an hbo special i just i when i quit in 2007 and then came back again full time in like 2009 yeah uh, i definitely was more confident and then i quit again 2010 it's been a long time, and you get a little bit of a muscle you have to relearn. But I feel I might. It's like the second time around you play a video game. That first time you struggle to shoot that gun, you go back the second time, you're killing bad guys in two seconds. Because it's a muscle memory, and that's the same right. thing with improv. It's a, it's a muscle memory, and after yeah. after a few warm up shows, it kicks in, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I got to agree with that, and I got to do this, and I got to turn this way, and I got to say this, and I got to adapt this character, and I got to. You know, uh, do all, and everything just kind of kicks in, but it's going to take a while. So do you know a couple of coffee shop open mics and do right. a couple of little shitty shows and and just do what you do. You might do the comedy store with Mark Ellis at one a.m. on a on a Tuesday. There you go. <laughs> you playing to the waitresses. Playing to the waitresses and the uh, ghosts mm-hmm. sitting in there. Uh, that's yeah. The that, ghosts of Mickey Cohen. Right. The um, yeah. So we'll see. I'll update. He does all haunt of you. the comedy store. You know. That's, that's what rumor. I heard. Right. Yeah. Mickey Cullen, right? Because he was shot at Ciro's out front of that place, yep. right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the comedy store used yeah. to be Ciro's, which was a famous Sunset Strip nightclub that was allegedly owned by the mop. A lot of places. Lucy and Desi had their wedding reception in the belly room. Mm-hmm. And, right. And it, it was uh, refreshing. I remember I just watched a documentary on this called, uh, I think it was just called Sunset Strip. Spectacular documentary. Uh, came out a couple years ago on, on Netflix streaming. Um, did he die? Did Cohen die in front of there? Or was yeah. he just shot? He did. That's where yeah. he died. So that's yeah. where. And then further down the street at the Trocadero is where uh, Ted Healy was beaten up. Ted right. Healy from the original Three Stooges. Right. And um, what did that become? That um, they, They've all gone on to other things other than it was, Chateau. It was Red Rocks. For a while. Red Rocks, yeah, yes. Red Rocks is what it is now. Yes. I would highly recommend, if you haven't seen it, this documentary, just called Sunset Strip. Would love to. And uh, it's got even, it's they got Johnny Depp talking about River Phoenix. They got Aykroyd talking about Belushi. They got all the heavy players. You know, Robin Williams was, was in the room like 20 minutes before Belushi dosed and died. Yeah. How, yeah. How the hell does um, he live with himself, man? They, um, they talk about that uh, in that documentary. Um, there's a, re- he... There's a gosh, I'm gonna mess up the story, but yeah, there's some other people involved who were supposed to go there. Oh, Pryor was. Oh dear. Pr- that's right. You, the Rob Williamson sparked that Pryor was supposed to go, and uh, what's his writer Paul? Um, his writer, longtime writer, also a comic. Um, um, he kind of had got in touch oh, with I him. I can't remember, but I can see his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, he told him, don't go there, man, because you're trying to stay clean. Don't go there. Don't yeah. go there. And uh, there was always thoughts that Pryor would have also been next to him dead. Uh, again, fascinating documentary about the history of the Sunset Strip going back 100 years. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with L.A. history. I love it. Are you? I love looking at uh, those those then and now picture books. Yep. <laughs> well, then you got to love my neighborhood, man. Yeah, the, I do like your neighborhood, except for when I'm trying to park. The Beechwood Canyon neighborhood? It's yeah. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, the, the streets are too small for me, even my Camry. Yeah. But uh, no, I do. I do. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but that's it, why we're here and not and, at my place. And then you're, as we talked about in the last show, your neighborhood was featured in Sharknado. Yes, and then uh, True Romance was also up in that area. And the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Really? They ran down uh, Beechwood Canyon right next to my grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cool. You, you go into the grocery store and they have that scene uh, like above the produce counter of all the people running away from the Triffids. It's pretty wild. <laughs> and that concludes this episode of Tim Powers' History of My Grocery Store. I'm old. How, uh, how are you planning to stay positive this year, Tim? That is a very, very good question. I know there's a lot of people listening out there who are trying to stay positive in the face of a lot of things, myself included. Well... Let's form a game plan. Okay, here's my game plan. This is what yeah. I've come to realize, is the things that haunt me, that are negative and keep me awake at night, yeah. are uh, vividly imagined. Right? Okay. Okay. And the... We're not talking about monsters, folks. We're no, talking about... we're talking about worst case scenarios and fears and things that... that stresses. Stresses. And uh, most of them, while based in some truth, are vividly imagined. Yeah. And so why not vividly imagine something else? Why not vividly imagine the alternative? Yeah, okay. I, I like that take. I like that it's, take. It, that's kind of a simplistic take on it. It is. It is. It's. It's the. But uh, if you're like, my boss hates me, and my boss is going to fire me, instead, you know, I got a job today. Right. I got a job today. Why not? Well, there's I'm some. Going to keep working at it. 
you know, you can you can throw a Christian aspect on it. You know, uh, God's not going to give you something you can't handle, or you know, why should you fear God's on your side? You can throw that kind of stuff into it too. Um, it, it's same ballpark for me. It, a lot mm-hmm. of the things, it's like slow down. You move too fast. Get to make the morning last. Dude and do 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 do. Feeling groovy. Um, <laughs> you just got to kind of slow down and take a. I get wrapped up in some things, and at the end of the year, I was so stressed and, and angry. I broke a chair at work. I threw Ooh. things. I threw things at a wall. I broke a fire extinguisher. Uh, not at anyone specifically. Right. I wished it was. <laughs> um, then I just got to remind myself to slow down. And you and I are both very depressive people. Mm-hmm. Like like we've said, I guess we're going to talk about it a little bit. It is our friend, and it comes around. You're like, oh, hi, depression. You're here to play? Let's, How you been? Yeah. Let's, mm-hmm. let's go get a cheeseburger together, because that's the food of depression. It really is, too, man. It really is. A big, greasy, oh, ugly cheeseburger. I had a Jack's hamburger the other day. Ooh, depressed or not, though, that did make me happy for about five minutes. I found a place I got to take you to. Yeah, what? Uh, it's called Moe's Better Meaty Meat Burger. Whoa, whoa, on La whoa, whoa, whoa. Moe's Better Matter Matter What Burger? Moe's Better Meaty Meat Burger. Bo- Moe's Better Meaty Meat Burger. It is a family-run kind of soul food hamburger place on La Cienega. And it is it is Man. a hamburger that will knock your eyes out. It is so good. What are we doing here now? Talking about depression. We could be happy eating the most better meaty, meaty meat burger. I know. You, you and I went to that breakfast spot the other day. Yep. Um, yeah, you and me do like to eat. Yep. Does that fa- And that kind of factors into depression. Yeah, you wear it better like than I do. It's, uh, but Well, you're doing boxing training I've been now. been boxing, yeah. My uh, my lovely bride got me a bicycle for Christmas. I gotcha. was actually able to ride it for the first time uh, the other day. So what, was, you had to relearn or just got your permit? Yeah. Uh, Again, a helmet. No, I, I actually refuse to wear a helmet, which is probably suicide in L.A., but yeah. whatever. I know uh, that feeling, though. I, I, I never wore a helmet as a kid, and I never, you know, whatever. Clearly. <laughs> I don't know. It's fun. It's, you know, it's good. Yeah. And uh, But the boxing helps, too. Is that Does that help uh, staying positive, getting that energy out? The boxing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting that anger, aggression getting that out, anger, too? Getting, well, because the school of thought, and I think we covered this in the last episode, mm-hmm. is uh, depression is anger turned inward. Yeah, yeah. And you can get that you can get that anger out, punch it a heavy bag for, you know, 15 boom, minutes. Boom, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, and, and coincidentally, not, you know, I, I, my depression returned heavy in December because I was busy, stressed, and couldn't get to the gym and couldn't be productive. So it's all about managing that stuff on a daily basis, folks, and not getting overwhelmed. And if I'm not going to write today, that's okay. And if I'm not going to do 25 push-ups today, that's okay. Yep. When, the, when, when Christmas was coming... Uh, my bride says, you should call Kenny and see what he's doing on Christmas. He, you know, just, we got time. We got plenty of room. We got people coming over. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm sitting at home and that's where I want to be. Dropped it right then. <laughs> I knew exactly what you meant and I, and I totally got it. I, for Christmas, um, don't want to get into my day job either, but I had spent, uh, basically had about two or three days off the entire holiday season from mid November to uh, today, actually. Yeah. And uh, so Christmas, that was a day off of no people. And I did have offers, and I appreciated every offer you sent me, my friend Paul, other friends and family. I do have some family in town. And uh, all I did was I got up, played Red Dead Redemption again, rode around. <laughs> I had already finished the game a year, year or two ago, but I like, let's, let's do it again. Let's ride a horse and shoot some bad guys. About four, I'm getting hungry. I had to go to the bank. Like, let me go to the ATM. And I'm like, nothing else is really open. I saw that McDonald's was open. They gave me an idea. So I drove up to 
Ventura to see if in and out was open. No, they, they're a Christian organization. They're closed for the birth of Christ. All right, what's up? Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. <laughs> for when you're lonely and depressed and no one else is around to hear you fart. <laughs> and that's what I had. And I ordered multiple items. It wasn't just give me the two. Give me the number two large of the Diet Coke. It wasn't that, Tim. No. I went to the secondary menu. Oh, my God. You supplemented let, with let the Let me have a menu. four. Nah, make it a five. The double Western. Give me a large Diet Coke, large fries. Let me try some of your fancy chicken tenders over there. Some of your onion rings. and yeah, Let me have a shake. It's Christmas. It was good. They gave you two numbers to take <laughs> your table. I had to pull out and pull around again. <laughs> Sir, we can't legally give that, to, uh, not, that amount of food to one man. And you know what, though? It was good. It was good just to uh, sit back, relax, and turn the brain off and not get overwhelmed by all those things. And that's uh, what I would urge people out there to do, battling with depression. This is a show here to help people tonight. Uh, just, it's okay every once in a while to unplug. Turn off your mind, relax, and float downstream. Um, this is not dying. Um, that's, yeah. See, that's why the Gene Autry movies work for me. Okay, explain. Okay, here's this the deal. For you. Gene Autry made 150 movies, okay? And mm-hmm. they run pretty regularly, probably two or three a day on the Encore Western channel. Right. They are dumb. Like, there are plot holes you can drive a tank through. Right. I mean, and they're real simple. The bad guy always has a mustache, and you know that in the first five minutes. And, you know, the, the, the sidekick guy has his shtick that he does in every movie, and you know Gene's gonna kiss the girl and punch a guy, and it's just like... You know, sing a song. Sing, he'll sing like two or three songs, yeah. And every now and then they'll throw something extra in because they got a new writer who goes, oh, "I went to college. I'm going to try something new." Um, but I went to Dartmouth. Yeah, the and you know, Republic Theaters, one of the or Republic Cinemas, one of the uh, Poverty Row theaters, is notorious for just making shit movies. Right. And the Autry just happens to be plentiful and available, and I don't have to. It makes me feel like the smartest guy in the world when I can, you know, in five seconds go, he did it. Yeah, that's it. Now I'll just sit and watch the action f- watch fold it unfold. out in front of me. Yep. Watch it unfold in front of me. But here's the cool thing is yeah. I started watching these movies and then went back to St. Louis this summer to visit my dad. Mm-hmm. And he goes, let me show you something. And he pulls out this picture of him in 1951. He was probably six years old. Wow. And he's sitting on the lap of the actor that played Autry's sidekick, an actor named Smiley Burnett. <laughs> That explains why it's in your blood. I suppose so. I don't know. I took that picture, blew it up on a t-shirt, and gave it to my brother for Christmas. That's awesome. <laughs> Smiley Burnett is awesome enough. Uh, what, when did your fascination with olden times start, man? It well, had, here's the thing. is I come from a, an enormous family, okay. right? And so most of what I had was, was you know, second or third generation hand-me-down. And I just got right. to appreciate it when I got stuff that was, that was old. And I looked up to these guys who were 10, 15 sometimes yeah. 20 years older than me they were into stuff and i'm like oh i should i should dig that that's cool right you know i'm six years old my you know my brother's got got abbey road and i'm like oh this is really cool i gotta get into this right and and that's kind of where it started and i just kept going and just get so kept feeling because you are like i mentioned last time a treasure trove of knowledge of things prior to 1980 and i mean we're talking back into the 40s and 30s though too mm-hmm. that's what this isn't like yeah i like a lot of music in the 60s and was kind of uh, 
raised on that in the late eighties and early nineties. That was my jam, man. But we're not talking. We're talking. You know, golden age comics. Yeah, RKO movies. Oh, like yeah. the, I love Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, I love radio Alex. plays. You're like, oh, I got this radio a CD of a radio duo from 1941. They yep. were hilarious. They were hilarious. Here's Wheeler and Woolsey, <laughs> which is actually a real. Com- actually, my bride gave me a uh, the. The book about that comedy team. They were RKO's highest grossing comedy That's team awesome. in the thirties. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't even know it, and I'd like to read it. Just learn. So, 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 at ten years old, were you g- telling your friends? Have you heard Wheeler and Woolsey? No, I hadn't. No, but at ten, I was like, "Are you listening to the White Album?" And right. they're like, "What? No, Star Wars. Fuck you." You know, but, but not the age at all. But the White Album wasn't that far removed. It. Uh, to a six-year-old, it was. I mean, it, oh, you're six and listening to number nine. Number nine. Uh, okay, let's let's give me ten. Give me ten years old. Okay. Okay. I was ten years old in 1978, which means the White Album would have been ten years old. Yeah. So let's think about what came out ten years ago, and tell me if the One Direction kids would give a crap right. about what was hot. Now that's 10 true. Years ago. I mean, they wouldn't. It, it blows my mind that you know we're coming up on a point where like U2's first albums are like forty years old or something like that. You know that's kind of scary. There are adults who don't remember where they were when Cobain shot himself. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, weird. yeah. And it's a the natural cycle of, of aging, of course. But um, um, I mean, I, I mean, when I was in kinder, kindergarten, I used to uh, make my friends act out scenes from Mash. I thought that was kind of weird, but um, it is weird. <laughs> was it? I was I I these two girls were on the playground. I have this memories pretty vivid in my head. And was uh, one nurse Kelly? Uh, no, but I was trying to assign parts to them. And one, no joke, she was a she was Asian descent. And oh, I, no, I can't. Looking back, I I doubt she was Korean. I don't. I can't remember. I don't know. I was too young to know the difference. You know. Um, and I tried to make one play hot lips, and the other one was going to be like you know the the heavy, heavy set Asian nurse or something and I'm like alright the helicopters are coming we gotta run duck your heads and I'm leading these two girls around the playground ducking our heads waiting for the MASH helicopter to come and, and get our next victims oh man have you been out to Ventura Canyon and played around in the uh, sun? I have not right. and uh, my friend Andy Allen just went out there posted some pictures and said uh, you know fun time uh, hiking to the set of MASH I said my goal is to go to after MASH um <laughs> But um, so I was obsessed. Toledo Mudheads jersey. (laughs) I was obsessed with weird things. You know, uh, I was able to know all the lyrics to "Spill the Wine," and I was like eleven or twelve until until one of my friend's dads. I was like, I like that song, "Spill the Wine." Take that girl, and he's like, How do you know that? So I get it, but it seems like yours is very specific. (laughs) I, I, you know, funny is funny, and I've just kind of always dug uh, funny and. Let's start with after school after school TV. Are you old enough or young enough to remember when they used to show the Stooges after school? They used to show yeah. the Stooges and Little Rascals like at three thirty or four o'clock. Sometimes. Well, in my time, more it was GI Joe, Transformers, Inspector Gadget, He Man. I mean, okay. that, See, by that time, that, by that time they were making cartoons specifically for the after school for the market. afternoon. Yeah, back in my day, mm-hmm. they were rerunning uh, Bugs Bunny, which is classic, classic old time right. comedy, and tons of classic references. So, yeah. you know, there's references to Al Jolson and Eddie Cantor and things like that that a right. six year old is not going to get <laughs> pie. And uh, and the Three Stooges, right? Mm-hmm. So you start thinking, oh my God, Three Stooges, this black and white comedy stuff is kind of fun. And I remember vividly coming home after second grade and uh, KPLR used to, sh- the 
independent station used to show movies in the afternoon. The 12.30 movie that would still be on right before the Flintstones came out. And they showed uh, the, um, either Duck Soup or Animal Crackers. Okay. And yeah. I've seen both of those. I remember watching... I mean, I was eight years old and I remember watching the scene that Harpo did and thinking it was the damn funniest thing I've yeah. ever seen in my life. And it got me hooked. Gotcha. It got me hooked. And so I thought, well, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So yeah. as I got older, I got into... Was that what you said to yourself? Well, where there's smoke, there's fire. That certainly is. Um, and, you know, my grandparents were big fans of Jack Benny's and would quote Jack Benny all the time. So right. I got kind of to appreciate that too. And I had a lot of free time. So uh, I started researching things like that. And then home video hit. Yeah. And I could go to the video store and I could find, you know, all these things that I had only heard of. I could go watch, you know, oh, W.C. Fields. I've heard of him. I wonder if it's funny. Hope, yep, it is. Right. Uh, Bob Hope, The Road Road to Morocco. Road to Morocco is one of my favorite movies, man. That thing is hilarious. Right. You know. But So I, I love it. I, I totally respect it. Uh, it's not just some uh, fleeting thing, you know. Uh, you know, I I watched Three Stooges as a kid too on the weekends and Little Rascals on, on Channel Five KTLA uh, right. used to show that in old movies. So that guy with the film projector, let's watch this. Tom Hatton, is that I think it is. Used to drop Popeye. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. And um, it so I have a base knowledge of it right. and base enjoyment of it, um, but it never stuck with me. Um, it just resonated with me because funny is funny is funny, 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 you know, and that's why. That's why things, even as dumb as Gilligan's Island, endure because it's simple and it's funny. Gilligan's Island, I would watch four times a day. And it's so funny because last time you were on, we talked about you met the one of the producers mm-hmm. of Gilligan's Island. Um, I uh, during the during summers, you could it's possible you could watch that show four to five times <laughs> a day, and I would not miss a showing. And you would have TBS would be showing maybe the second season, and then uh, in the morning KTLA or some other station would be showing like season one, the black and white, the black and white, black one. and white season, and yeah. uh, you know, um, and uh, I, uh, yeah, four or five times a day, I knew every episode. I, I would hope if I were you, I'd be such a nerd. I would have hoped for the day where they show all four episodes with Vito Sodi as the villain. <laughs> he's he's the he's the Japanese, Japanese guy, guy. Yeah. or he's the Italian guy, <laughs> or he's the movie producer, or whatever. Yeah. That was uh, yes, the the Japanese soldier who thought uh, the war had not ended. Um, there, you know, that old chestnut. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So uh, I totally, and, I, and it still stays with me to this day. I don't watch it as much, but I was recently at my grandparents' house, and they watch um, the. It's a satellite. They they have antenna. TV. Oh, antenna, yeah. And there's a. I think it's like me or something. It's like the me TV is, is here. You can get yeah. me TV over the air, and on. Uh, I have uh, Direct TV, and yeah, I get me TV. And they show they show Gilligan's Island and they show yeah. a few other things. I'll have to look it up here. I, I thought I thought it was just on antenna because I was like, of course, my ninety year old grandparents have the antenna that goes to the one channel still showing <laughs> oh, bonanza. Yeah, I wish I had them. the antenna. I tried to hook up uh, a an antenna to my television today. I have uh, uh, amplified rabbit ears. Yeah. Now keep in mind, folks, I live on the mountain with the Hollywood sign on it. Yeah, literally. So you would yeah. think in the heart of entertainment. I would get 57 channels of broadcast television. Nope, not yeah. one. Not you one. You can't even get service. I, I have one of our uh, old stand-up friends lives on that street that's literally like right below the Hollywood sign, the D, uh, and you can't get anything there. Yeah. 
crazy let alone entertainment it is uh, it's pretty awful um but the antenna network shows yeah, the we, greatest comedy that, show of it, all time yeah which one the monkeys of course oh of course tim powers and his monkeys mm-hmm. okay it was funny it i'm was. not gonna deny that it's a funny show greatest of all time i don't know f troop was uh, on there it was pretty good no <laughs> they were showing <laughs> my grandfather's troop. my grandfather's watching this stuff and uh you know he loves it i get it you know he's connected to his past and we're watching F Troop, and you get these white guys doing horrible, horrible Native Americans. Jewish guys. Jewish guys. Like, like, oh, hey, what me, get wampum for you. I'm like, uncomfortable on my grandparents' couch. Like, oh, whoa, what would we do? Dude, wait till you watch the, the Little Rascals now. They're horrible. <laughs> really? Oh, my God. There's one where uh, they're... The, the, it opens with all of them rubbing lamps in a junkyard, so they're rubbing like like floor lamps and table lamps and stuff, right. and they're making wishes, and they're like, "I wish I had a million dollars, wish I had a million dollars," and then one of them goes, "I wish Cotton was a monkey, oh, I wish no. Cotton was a monkey," no. and then Spanky no. goes, "All he needs is a tail," and I went, "Oh my God, can they say that? <laughs> Whoa!" Well, we, my grandfather and I were watching, uh, you know, what's the uh, the the one, the Nazi comedy. Um, Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes. Also a very funny show. If, no, it was entertaining, but I'm like, and I think I tweeted something out at the time. I'm like, uh, I'd like to pitch a new show to you. It's a funny, wacky Nazi comedy. Oh, those Nazis! Like, I'm like, that was featuring a notorious sex fiend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny ain't always funny. Then I guess, huh? No. You know what? Uh, it will always be funny to make fun of other people despite the political climate. True. Because, uh, you know, 20 years ago when the political correctness thing hit hard and heavy, yeah. well, I hate to tell you, but it hasn't stopped at all. No, no, it, no. It's gone underground. It may not be as blatant, and, it, you know, we may not be doing minstrel shows anymore. Right. Uh, which is a sign of enlightenment. But you know what? If you go into a stand-up club, they're always going to be doing racial humor one oh, way or yeah. another. Yeah, it's so funny. You can stay, say it on a stand-up stage and get away with it a lot more than if kinda. you tweet about it. Or yeah, kind of. Unless I you're mean, Michael Richards. Unless you're Michael Richards. But there, but that's the thing. I, I, and and that I'm not going to defend Michael Richards at all. That was, that was what it was. Uh, racist in in uh, an outburst, an uncontrollable rage-filled outburst. Yep. However, I think wouldn't you agree? I I've heard worse things on a regular basis in, in stand-up comedy clubs. Oh yeah, that yeah. are that are met with laughter mm-hmm. because no one was famous on stage saying it. And no one was filming it and with the intent of getting that person in trouble or just capturing the famous person. You're absolutely right. I mean, I have, I've never dropped the N-bomb on stage ever and never will. Just drop the modified version. <laughs> part of that part of that punchline I had. Yeah. And I, yes. I, I did it at the downtown comedy club one night. Yeah. I was uh, hosting the show. Uh, Garrett Morris's uh, club? Garrett Morris's club. So that, folks, downtown L.A., Garrett Morris runs the cl- uh, club. Or his Here it comes it. right into Fort Lee, New Jersey, yeah. this beautiful, beautiful airship from <laughs> Germany. Here it comes. It's coming in and docking now. So um, <laughs> you can only imagine um, the makeup of the audience, a little urban. Um, and I know I have this bit. It's my kind of closing bit at the time. The People bit, are waving to the airship now from the coast. <laughs> the bit is about uh, my car. At one point, my, I was parked out front of my ex-girlfriend's house, and I went back in the morning to get it and was tagged up. It was graffiti all over this white infinity. So I tell the story uh, of what was actually written on there. It's a beautiful thing. Coming into the, coming into the station. Here it comes. LJ loved the joke. Um, I had my approval. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
but I'm sitting there in my head. I'm thinking, do I do it? The whole time I start talking, like, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Downtown Comedy Club. We got a in my head. My, my monologue is, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? No, you're not going to do it. There's no way you're going to do it. Look at that guy. Look how big that guy is. Look at how big she is. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I'm getting to the joke. I got seven minutes to up top. And I start into it. I'm like, oh, man, my car got graffiti the other day. And I look at LJ's on the corner like, oh, here we go. And uh, I went through and I did it. And they loved it. Outstanding. They loved it. And I got even some of the points like, ah, you, ah, you. and, and oh, uh, Gotta love it, man. Uh, Garrett wasn't there that night. And I wish he was because I would have done it even uh, <laughs> even more if he was, he was there. Um, I don't know if I'd ever do that. Now I'd be afraid. I was on, the joke had hit so many times. That's your muscle though, Kenny. Yeah. That's your muscle. You were, you were fearless because times, you yeah. had been, you had the, the capacity and the bravery to yeah. do that because you had been so regular in, you know, in stand up and had yeah. your fear was diminished because you knew what was going on. Now yeah. you're like, you know, you right. give yourself a couple more months, you'd be all over that joke again. Yeah. I, yeah. Now. Yeah. You're right. Because I, I don't think if I was to do a set tonight, I don't think I'd do it. No. I, I don't think I would. Um, times have even changed back two, three years ago, but I, I, I still I would open with the baby in the microwave. joke. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but th- and thanks for giving me the confidence and, and liking me, Tim. I know I have some uh, listeners out there, some who have been guests on the show, who don't like when we fawn over each other. Uh, <laughs> well, leave them to their pig shit and pepper farms. Uh, you're making reference to uh, uh, previous guests on the show who who said that um, he was. It he was, said the show was boring, he, and that some of your first guests were fawned all over you, and that the show was boring. And then they talked about packing peppers for uh, truck farming and the dangers of having pig shit in the pepper farm. Thank you very much for being so interesting. Very informative stuff, though. I just, uh, I got an angry Tim email chain <laughs> that I was dying, I was at work and I was getting, it, it was like 12.30 uh, at work and I get this email, Tim Powers. So let me get this straight. The person who says the show is boring is talking for about peppers for 40 minutes. He's <laughs> like, ah, yeah, they're good people. Every day. You're just like, I can feel the steam coming off the email. I needed to vent. I was having a rough day, and, I, and I'm sorry. I don't know those guys. No, they're they're great. In fact, uh, I'm sure they are. I'm heading up there this weekend to do some more uh, more shows. Knapsack Files on the Road. Well, make sure you take your uh, your rubber boots because you know you don't want to be. I don't want to. I don't want to get some pig shit. Wild and pig shit. Oh man! So, anyways, you have a good outlook for the year, Tim. <laughs> uh, I think that this is going to be a good year. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, the best thing I did to take care of myself was marry my lovely bride. Right. You know, what are we now? Two, two and a half years. Three? Two and a half years now. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the the whole thing's been going about five years now. Yeah. And she has turned me around, and and still, yeah, that's a lot great. of things that uh, that I wasn't taking care of that. Uh, like what? Your car tire pressure? No, like emotions. Well, let let me just say that there were uh, about ten years or so where the Internal Revenue Service and I didn't correspond at all. <laughs> okay. No letters were written between us. No. Between and us. Uh, well, uh, they decided to to end that chain and correspond with me. <laughs> We had an agreement. Yep. You live in this country and use these roads and went to our schools. You breathe our air. 
You enjoy the liberties that we have given you in the Constitution of the United States. The least you could do is part with 75% of your income. I, I picture them in some sort of ascot while saying that. The Like the Thomas Jefferson wigs yes, and stuff like that? Yes, powdered wigs well, and ascots. Well, God love her for kicking me in the ass and making me get straight with them. And yeah. uh, it is working out beautifully. When you hear those radio ads about how, you know, you may not owe the IRS everything they say you owe. Uh, that's not entirely true, but there okay. is for people in my situation. There's something called an offering compromise, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which basically says, "Look, I know I owe you X thousands of dollars. Right. I'm never going to have that much money at one time. I'm sorry. Right. But I'd like to get straight. Right. And they take it into consideration. They look at your income. They look at what your life is like, and they and they uh, <laughs> they watch you for a couple of days. Yeah. You take like them down you. to Moe's Better Meaty Meat Burger. Mm-hmm. They want Gene Autry, huh? You seen this one? <laughs> Yellow Rose of Texas, it's a They're good one. They're just there with a clipboard. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so I, I'm on the, uh, I'm on the final round of gotcha. uh, getting that squared away, and I'll be able to write a check that washes my hands of the whole thing. Okay, and and, and that's because of your wife. That is your lovely bride. Who here's said, the thing, I Kenny. ain't making you a sandwich until you, until you correspond. <laughs> she, well, what she did is she uh, gave me some value. Oh, I like that. You know, where, uh, you know, we were, when we were bachelors together and mm-hmm. we were like, I got, I, I am nothing. I'm worth nothing. My, and people would put us down because our material was so self-effacing, but it came from a place yeah. of truth and it came from the core of our souls. Yeah. And, you know, she, she came along and said, you actually do mean something, uh, especially to me. So, uh, How, can I ask you this? How hard, or was it hard at all, to accept that love? It was damn near impossible. Right. It was damn near impossible, and it's her tenacity that made it work. Because I will tell you uh, with a great deal of shame that I probably did almost everything I could to make myself as disgusting as possible Mm -hmm. to her. Mm -hmm. So that it would fulfill the prophecy that I had, which was... You know, I'm better off living in a hole in the ground. Right. But uh, as you see, I don't live in a hole no, in the ground anymore. And you got a wonderful orange polo shirt on, which I can only assume it's she picked up. It's not a polo up. shirt. It's actually collarless. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. But I guess that's very key to something that's been rolling in my head and is something I'm looking forward to solving in 2014 and beyond. Um, I just don't accept love that well. Um, it's, it's this show is nothing but a, a Napsack love fest. Everybody who comes on this show is like, yes, Except, so awesome. unless you work in the pepper field. Yeah. Um, more, but more on the romantic level. Okay. Um, I, I have self-esteem issues professionally as well. Uh, we right. all do, but, um, yeah, so I guess it bleeds over into that. Certainly. There comes a point where feeling where I don't belong. You, uh, you just choose to accept it. Yeah. You know? I, I guess it's that as, broke down as that it's that simple i guess it's it hard it really is because you start realizing that it actually takes more effort to fuck it up yeah you know i remember looking at myself and going i'm working really hard to mess this up why yeah. why am i doing that why why don't i just take a deep breath step mm-hmm. back stop doing what i'm doing you know and take care of this nice lady who's taking care of me right and you know she accepts my imperfections i if she had any, I would certainly be gracious about them. Well answered, sir. Thank there. you. 
Um, yeah, I guess uh, for me, I'm so al- so used to being alone. I took a uh, trip by myself to Las Vegas. I spent Christmas alone with Carl's Jr. Vegas is a great place to be alone. Right. Um, so sometimes I wonder... Had I known, I would have sent you somewhere. <laughs> oh, really? Her name is Diamond. Uh, well, I, I do have Vanity and uh, Bunny over at another place. Um, yeah, so, but sometimes I wonder, there's a balance between I'm just, I can go to a movie and dinner by myself, which is okay, versus I'm going to do that the rest of my life because I... I, I just can't accept anything else. If that's where your life needs to be, that's okay for you. It, yeah, it, but I'm not depressed about it. I mean, that, that's that's what's that's what's weird. I just I just know that's part of the issues. You'll I can't, figure it out. I can't accept love, man. You'll figure. It I'll out. take a hug from you, but yeah, you know. Um, well, so, so I'm working on it. So I always, I love my uh, my married friends. Give me a lot of uh, just by observing you. Uh, you and, and Kelly and your transition and what mm-hmm. she's done and ma- means to you or watching even bad marriages go or marriages struggle and get improved and worked on right. it it's it's very interesting for me to watch and find out it's got to it's got to be interesting um you know I, I look at where i was 5 mm-hmm. years ago 6 years ago 10 mm-hmm. years ago and i'm like holy hell how the hell did i get here right wow it's a wonder it's a wonder I still have teeth in my head. It's a wonder, you know, that I'm not pushing a shopping cart down Sunset. You still would have been funny, though. I suppose. I still have been uh, doing a radio show with you. Yeah. <laughs> You'd been pushing the cart next to me. What's the name of the guy's name on second? No. What's it? <laughs> uh, well, that's good. So that that's, uh, that's something for me to look on. Just you have to choose to. I like that. Well, um, don't just choose randomly now. No, 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 no. It's not about that. That's a whole other issue. She will appear when you are ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you live in a city of 8 million people, 4 million of which all? are women. And 3 million, which are on the 405 right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, the odds of out of those 4 million, there being one that's tolerable. Yeah. It's pretty good. Right. Yeah, it's pretty good. You just have to leave. You the, just have to count through the other three point yeah. nine million that are batshit crazy. Yeah, you have to leave the house at some point. Too, I mean, right? And believe me, I went through a lot of crazy ones, and so did you. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I like I like that show. I like coming back 2014, talking about comedy, old movies being attacked on stage. A you're gonna do it, aren't you? You're gonna you're gonna do you're gonna do an open mic within the next two weeks, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm leaving town. Um, but within the next two months is I'll more tell realistic. You what, when you're back in town, mm-hmm. we'll hit it together. Oh, you okay. find one, we'll go. Okay, we'll go. I like I'll that. Dust off all my jokes about uh, missile command and I might blockbuster bring, uh, video and might, new code. Might force uh, Mike Beatrice to come with us too. He's been talking about it too. We we're thinking about doing a uh, Schmozno presents those who left comedy show. <laughs> so, the oh, isn't that cute yeah. show? Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you host. Um, <laughs> Anyways, well, the Knapsack Files is back and up and running. We got some great shows for you. Like I said, I'm heading back to my hometown. You can't get much worse than this, folks. No, well, this is a good show. This is a bullet for both of us to come back here. And Tim Powers and I have some other stuff we're working on as far as the the new Schmozno Network that's uh, coming out. Um, if you love man on man sex, this is the show for you. That's not the show that's gonna happen. We that we edited that part out oh, of the pitch. Yeah. Um, so the Knapsack Files uh, rolls on. You can find us on Facebook. 
and hashtag us on Twitter. No Twitter feed, just me, Ken Napsock. You can also follow uh, Tim Powers at Twitter, at Tim is funny. Right. And Fandom Plan- Planet. Yep, my other show that we didn't even talk about. Yeah. But uh, if you like comic books and stuff like that and you don't want to get your comic book news from uh, from the guys at the Schmoes, go to... <laughs> Check it out at thefandomplanet.com or Fandom Planet on iTunes. Right, and uh, rate and review. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and review the Knapsack Files on iTunes. That only helps us. And uh, we will see you next time, folks. Remember this, Kenny? Yeah. The Knapsack Files. Write it down. Tell a friend. Please do it. (laughs) I'm Ken for Tim. We'll see you.